The coast of Meath may be short, just five kilometres, but on a day like today, it is really splendid. The sun shining, this great expanse of blue sea, the white waves coming in, great big sheet of blue sky, worn mountains, the distance of the North Cooley Peninsula, Dublin then south, and this sense of an old world, well, combined with a new world, there's a big crane behind and building going on, but then the cars parked, people picnicking out of their cars, deck chairs on the side of the beach, kids playing, beach balls, that lovely sense of families on their days out and enjoying the coast of Meath, and why wouldn't they? You can't but feel at home on the coast of the Royal County. The stretch of sea and strand here in Meath is the second shortest in Ireland after Leitrim. But big isn't always best, and the strip of coast here between the Boyne and Delvin rivers has its own very distinct feel, and the locals are rightly proud of this part of their county. Just up from the beach, on a very sociable corner, uh, met two young men with their coffees on a, an improvised table. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about yourselves, Lance. Hi, uh, my name's Keen Walsh. I'm from Betty Sound County Meath. Uh, I've been living here for 30-odd years. And I'm Lee Walsh, Keen's brother. I've been living here 20-odd uh, years and uh, from Betty Sound all my life as well. Yeah. Yeah, so we're here roughly in the town square. A um, lot of foot traffic through here as well, for example. Outside our house is also the three-way onto the beach. So we'll get a lot of the uh, early morning swimmers out here walking past. Mead, the fifth province, holds depths of history and cultural heritage. Tara, Nauth, Dowd, Newgrange, Loch Crewe, the Boyne Valley. Part of the joy of exploring the county and some of those almost sacred spaces is that you get to meet the people who live side by side with all this wonder. People whose daily lives are part of the same fabric of landscape and place as these remarkable spots. There's also people in the, in the country who don't believe that Betty Sound is in Mead and they don't believe that Mead has a beach. I've been in Dublin to a few people and they're like, oh, where, where did you live? And I go, oh, I'm in Betty Sound. Yeah, there's a small bit of beach uh, in Mead. And they go, Mead's landlocked. I go, thanks, man. <laughs> and you'd cheer for Mead in Croker. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, on, the, uh, I was on Saturday anyway, yeah. yeah. The Talton Cup final, it was uh, Mead versus Down in Crow Park. Well, we bet down for the, yeah. for the cup, so yeah, I was there for that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Brilliant. Great to meet you. Great to meet you, too. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The County Measure. I'm Vincent Woods. We're making a journey around Ireland 100 years after independence and partition to get a measure, to get many measures of all 32 counties. We're looking at place, landscape and the people who shape their lives within these boundaries of community and county. In this series I'm hoping to get a fresh understanding of each county and its people as we shape a radio atlas of Ireland. Transport is one of the big challenges for communities in rural Meath, as in so much of Ireland. How do you get around if you don't drive or own a car or choose not to use a car? Many areas are not served by public transport and here's where the local link bus services 
can be a lifeline. Morning, Jody. How are you? I'm good. How are you? In Navan, I meet with some of the team that run the community local link buses, some taking people to hospital appointments in Dublin, others picking people up from their homes outside Navan to bring them to town to shop and socialise. Helen Smith, the dispatcher at the Navan depot, joins us on the rural shopper service and Tommy Lochran is the driver on the day and knows everyone. Oh, here, I'll get the gate for you. Our route is going from Hayestown on back into Kenstown, collecting people en route and on the back way in as well. We're going to bring them into Navan Shopping Centre. They're going to go and they may do a bit of shopping or they may just go in and have a cup of coffee and a chat. It's a jolly great old service, this. Oh, it's a fantastic service. It's essential out the country. I mean, we all have bus passes, but it's two miles to the nearest bus and then it's an irregular service as well. And, it's great and would you have a bit of a circle of friends that you'd meet oh, on yes, the bus? Oh yes, yes, coffee and yeah. scones is a mandatory part of this process. <laughs> Catch up on all the latest gossip and news. Yeah. <laughs> Essential. And of course everyone concerned about the closure of Tara Mines. Oh absolutely. Even locally to me on that side road there's a young man, he's just built a house, he's two little children and his wife took a job in the mines last year. She left the job she was in so... And I think for the town of Navan, it's going to have a huge impact because there's all the support services as well. I mean, I'm sure there's catering and cleaning and that's just a couple of them, you know. Yeah. So it's going to have a huge impact on the town. Yeah. The mines have always been the biggest part of Navan, I think, since they yeah. started up there. I'm into town. I have to do my banking and I have to shop and, yeah, meet up with the girls for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Very important. Get away from the get away from the men for a while. <laughs> no offence. Always essential. No offence now. <laughs> no, and none take. <laughs> oh, two men helping me today. Yeah. And I'm Vincent. Vincent, I'm Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. 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 Would you make this trip every week? Twice a week. Uh, every day if I was going. <laughs> <laughs> it's that good. It is, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, we couldn't do it without this. Yeah. I just saw the stables there. I was wondering, is it, is it good horse country? Oh, it is. That's my sons. They, they own them horses, yeah. They have them years. <laughs> yeah, I'm living beside them. My husband died, so I moved down. It's a bad road, this one. Do the bit of resurfacing, all right? Do, yeah. <laughs> a lot of road works around. Oh, there is. There's yeah. an awful lot, yeah. I'm a, I'm a pandidus, I appended this bus because I had no other way to get into time now. Do me shopping now. And you could, any other time we'd go to run the ring to go to the hospital now. And I'm going getting on this bus today, a starter. Something to look forward to, yeah. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> well, you're looking forward to it this morning, you were, well. absolutely. And I'm still looking forward to it. Baby, I'm going to give you your bag, or do you want me to take it in the front for you? No, it'll do here, Helen. Yeah. Look, at he's a charmer, do you know that? Oh, is he? Oh, is he? <laughs> he's putting his arms around me now, I read. <laughs> it's only an aid of the seatbelt. <laughs> There's matchmaking yeah. going on yeah. here. <laughs> You're never too old. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and I saw your lovely little dog there at the gate. Oh, yeah, that's him. Ben, is his name? 
he watches everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so the tail going, he's a friend in the fellow. Yeah, he's <laughs> Oh, look. Yeah. So you're keeping well, I'm keeping you? very well. That's I'm, the main yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. The main yeah. thing, yeah. yeah. I had a stroke there. Did you? Oh, yeah, well. there at Easter. OK. Just getting back. Oh, gosh, you've done very well then. Well, I have now. You know, after a stroke, yes. it's really important to oh, get out yeah, and keep is. moving. It and, is, it yeah. is, yeah. you know. But it was very hard, you mm. know. You know, that was now 14 weeks since I had that and I'm only getting there now, you know. That's very good. We're on the road to God knows where. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Okay, so look, just be careful with the, the wind and the rain. Yeah, just go for it. Nice relaxed run up and then just release. Be careful with the block in the last step. And when you see him throw and you see the, the effort he puts into a throw, particularly in a, a wet, miserable, cold day for throwing, Not bad. How'd you feel? Uh, good, yeah. It's just, it's a bit weird, like, blocking in this weather. The spirit and determination of athletes never ceases to astonish me. And in Meath, you can't help but think of the Colchin Games and the stories from tradition and myth of competitive sport, races, jumping and throwing. Then, as now it seems, weather never got in their way. And on a very wet day in Navan, I meet Leinster javelin champion Ishan Dharmasane and his coach, Kieran Conlon. Uh, I started around like three years ago. We were just doing training and my coach brought out the little plastic javelins. And I found out I was pretty good, so I entered a competition and it was pretty successful. So I've been doing um, it. What, what do you think that was? I mean, it's obviously about the ability to, to throw, to find, to put this velocity into your throw. And did that seem to come naturally to you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I just had to learn like the technique of like converting the speed into like power for the throw. Usually before the throw, I'd like visualize it in my head, like of me like running up and then the javelin flying. That usually helps. So, so that you're almost seeing it before you do it. Yeah. Like a week ago, I had a All Ireland competition, and I had a nice throw of 42 meters. Javelin throws need to be fast, they need to have a really fast arm, they need to be strong, but as he said himself, they need to be powerful. So being strong is one thing, but power comes from strength and speed. And the fact that he swims a lot, the fact that he plays rugby, he's uh, devastating on the rugby pitch. What ambitions would you have around it? Well, it'd be great to go to the Olympics, maybe, and just throw as far as I possibly can. It doesn't 
see anything to stop you. He'd be the second Mead javelin tour because Terry McHugh came from, well, he, he lived in Navan for a long, long time, and Terry still holds the Irish javelin record. And um, it'd be nice to have another Navan man representing Ireland in the Olympics. It'd be great. Anything is possible. I think everything is possible. Yeah. listening to the county measure and we're in Meath. Here at Bonadon Tara Mines, you know, you just see how vital the mines have been for this community. Hundreds of cars in the car park here. Uh, a drilling lorry running a big courier truck ready to leave, sign on the wall for Tara Mines Golf Society. Such a sense of how vital this place has been and is for the local community. 650 jobs on the line for at least a year, year and a half. But as somebody said to me earlier, it's more like a thousand jobs that are in the balance. Not to mention the wider economy, all of all of the shops, all of the industry that depends on what happens here and all of the, the employment, catering. Somebody said that there are 10 people employed in a canteen catering for the, for the mines, for the miners, for the workers here. You know, what's happening here, what's happening for Navan and for County Meath is so huge. Some of the last of the lorries, I suspect, leaving the site here today. Vincent. All right, Vincent, how are you? Lovely to meet you. Pleased to meet you Good as to well. meet you. Yeah, yeah very yeah, good to I meet you. Well. Your Thank green you. fingers. Ah, should we do a little bit? <laughs> do you know, and it's a lovely good. evening for us. Oh, isn't it? Ah, it's ah, absolutely, it, yeah. absolutely, yeah. You know, and I, we're here and the birds are singing. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you know, and it's great to get. And I'm sure after many years in the mine, it's very nice to be in the open air and do a bit of gardening. It does help to clear the old head as well. Pat Conlon from Kildoki has been a miner at Tara Zinc Mines for the past 24 years. Like all 650 other men recently laid off there, he lives in tentative hope of the mines reopening. But he's seen enough in his decades of work to make him cautious about the future. Do you know, I remember the day that I started. Six of us started of a Monday. By the Friday, it was down to three of us. They couldn't stick it. No, they found it very difficult. Pat, tell me about the work you do in Tara Mines. Well, what I'm part of, Vincent, is a short Cretan crew. Now, what is that? Very simply, it's spraying a concrete onto the side walls and the back when an area is blasted. And it does help to reinforce the uh, the back and the side walls. You know, when you go into the mine every day, probably the happiest part of your day is at the end of the shift when you're driving out of the mine. I do always say to myself, 
thank God that I am coming out of the mine the same way as I went down. In the mine itself, there would be a 150 to 200 k of road, you know. It's the largest mine in Europe. And if you think of it, we have, uh, you know, underground, there's workshops, there's canteens underground. So, you know, it's... Like a small city. Just your day-to-day life, like. When you're working, you're working off the lights of a machine the whole time. There's no natural light as such. Say say if you're in an area, you would uh, turn off the lights of your machine and on your helmet. There is times where, where you will adjust to light. But at this one, there's there's no adjusting. It's just solid dark the whole time. So it's an amazing kind of a feeling, you know. It must be and it's a bit a of a strange... shock and a relief every day to come back out into natural daylight. It does take a while for, for the eyes to adjust, you know. It takes a little while. You must make great friendships. There must be great camaraderie as well in all of it. You see, when you're on a crew of lads, your whole day is there. Day in, day out. Maybe for years, maybe for nine, ten years, you know. And you get to know lads' families and their partners and what's going on in the house, if it's good or bad or indifferent at times. And lads will tell you things maybe that you don't want to be hearing, but they'll share it with you anyway. You know, and there's funerals and births and marriages and deaths. and. Yeah, I mean, you have to really trust each other in that yeah, environment Yeah, oh, there's too. a huge trust, like... Uh, because in a mine, you're dependent on the fella that's working beside you. And if a fella thinks, you know, an area isn't safe, he, we'll all kind of say, right, lads, you know, out we go. It's a really tough time for, for all of you and all the, all the men and the families and, and indeed the broader community. The yeah, look, everybody was laid off on Friday morning. For myself... It didn't kind of hit home until I wakened up on the Monday morning. And I just felt that, Jesus, you know, all I've known for the past 24 years is mining. And to be fair, there's not many mines in the country that I can go to 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 get employment, so... Of the three of you who stuck it out that first week, (laughs) did, did all three of you... And we're all there still. We're all we're all there still, and we finished on Friday. Looking back, in I suppose, despite this and beyond it, in a way, you know, are you glad you you went in there? I would never be sorry for giant tar mines. No, no, no. To be fair, it was a great job and a great experience. No, it was a very good decision I made. What I have here, it uh, got the kids educated and into college and out of college and so on. That's the best part of it. Honourable work and an honourable tradition of work. And please God, I will get back into it. That is really good to meet you. Uh, very, very good to meet you, Vincent. And very nice to talk to you as well. Very nice to talk to you. All my years, and I suppose despite the best of intentions, I've never before been to Old Bridge House near Drogheda, the site of the Battle of the Boyne. But I'm here today and we're about to meet someone who can tell us a little about the history of the battle and the battlefield and how 
we remember it all today. Hello, Vincent. Ellen Brickley. Yes. Ellen, lovely to meet you. Great lovely to be to here. You. Yeah. I'm a member of the management team here at the Battle of the Boyne site. We're on the battlefield here, so this is where the Battle of the Boyne happened. The anniversary is marked now on the 12th of July. So the battle took place here between the Williamite and the Jacobite side. And you can see just over there where we're looking ahead, you can see some of the spires of the town of Drogheda. And you can also see the Mary McAleese Peace Bridge over the Boyne. This particular site, these fields that we're in now, yes. how much of the battle actually occurred here? Virtually all of it. We can see most of where the battle took place from here. So some of it would be a little beyond those trees and you can see the roofed structures there in the distance. The roofed structures are to represent where the village of Old Bridge was at the time of the battle. That's where a lot of the engagement happened. So, and, you know, some of the landscape around here, if you look up towards the higher ground, of course, the armies were situated up there as well to, you know, for a vantage point to see where their opponents were. And why was this particular site and why was the Boyne so pivotal in that encounter and that battle? It was so pivotal because it was a defensible river. So the Williamite army had come through Northern Ireland and they were making their way down the east coast and the Boyne being a major river was one of the last places the Jacobite army had any hope of stopping them. So that's why the battle happened here. So it was the river. It's all about the river. I mean, when you think about the history of this area, the Boyne River is hugely significant and it was on that day as well. And it's, it's astonishing that this is yet another another iconic site within County Meath when you, and within the Boyne Valley when you think of, of how much this contains. There is so much here indeed. I often think, you know, you could do a very good tour of Irish history just in the Boyne Valley because you've got the prehistoric at Newgrange. You then have the, you know, the early Christian and the, the Norman keeps in Trim and in Slane and all those historic towns along the Boyne. And then you've got the beginning of early modern Irish history here in the Battle of the Boyne as well. So you've really got everything from you know, 3000 BC all the way up to 1690, you know, all just in this one little little area. There's just so much. It's so rich. Ellen, of course, in 2007, um, the Reverend Ian Paisley, Ian Paisley Sr. and Bertie Hearn met here famously, they did, uh, planted yes. a tree and there was an exchange of gifts. There was. And um, Reverend Paisley and Bertie Hearn also formally opened the visitor centre here on the 11th of May 2007. And uh, I think the gift from Ian Paisley to Bertie Hearn was a Jacobite musket. Yes, that's correct. And it's, it can be seen in the house. Yes, a replica can be seen in the house. Yeah. Um, we also have a replica of a bowl that was turned from wood that, was, that came from a tree that was on the site at the time of the battle. The tree was lost in a storm, but we retained the wood and a bowl turned from that wood then was given to Ian Paisley as a gift by, by the Irish government. So we have a replica of that inside as well. So the house, in a way, is becoming this repository not only of memory, but of much more, of older memory, but of much more recent memory and of the symbolism around peacemaking here. I hope some people come away with a, a deeper knowledge that they already had and maybe some people come away with something that they'd never suspected before. What I will be going away with, I think, is that view of the Mary McAleese Peace Bridge and everything that represents and, and her work in building bridges. Yes, it's, it's a very nice symbol to have so close to the site. It really is. The town
town of Nobber, close to the Loud border, is one of the lesser-known treasures of Meath. The town is quietly intact and unspoilt. A group of committed local people, the St John's Old Cemetery Restoration Group, has been working to preserve the fine old St John's Church and repurpose it as a heritage centre. And amidst a work in near completion, I meet Tom Finnegan and Henry Cruz from the Restoration Group. Everywhere in Mead has a massive amount of history. It's the Heritage County, as we all know, going back as far as the Moynalock excavations here, just the other side um, of the wall. Um, they went back to 4,300 BC. They found the first human settlement in Nobber, which is 2,000 years before the pyramids. Uh, there was people living here in Nobber. The derivation of the name, uh, Nobber. Nobber. Yeah, it comes, I think, from on Ober, the Irish on Ober for the work. Mm. And people generally take that to refer to the, to the Mosh. When the Normans arrived in 1169 and started to occupy the country, they had to secure themselves because there was a hostile population around. So they built a Mosh, basically an earthen mound, on which they built a, pal- a palisade to protect themselves. And they sufficed for a while in the early days of the invasion. But eventually, of course, then they decided that they needed more permanent structures. And hence you have places like Trim Castle. These were the early castles that they built. These were, you know, you know more or less campaign castles. When you built the Mott and Bailey, you were, um, you know, you were announcing that you, you had arrived and you weren't leaving, but you were still in very hostile territory. You've also been restoring a tower very close to here. It's a 15th century um, tower, so built in the 1400s. It was a West End addition to a, a pre-existing Norman stone church that would have been built around the year 1200. But we were very, very worried about it. Uh, it was completely overgrown with ivy. There was two or three metres of ivy hanging off every little bit of it, yeah. basically killing the tower. With the prevalence now of, of the winter storms and indeed summer storms, as you can see the weather outside here today yourself, we, we were worried that it was going to basically collapse and it's been completely repointed. So when that tower is um, 600 years old, and we like to think that it's good now for another 600. Do you want to have a quick look upstairs, guys? Yeah, so you've oh, seen yeah, 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 yeah. Get a view of the tower from up there as yeah, well, yeah. you know. We're in a small little alcove here, which we have a little viewing window built into the side of the church. There's the 15th century tower. Um, over there to the right in the middle distance, if you can see the mound of earth, um, that's the, the remains of the Mott and Bailey. But this, you know, back 4,500, 5,000 years ago, this was a lake. This was Moynalock. Um, and that's where there was actually two cran oaks out there. That lake was drained um, as a famine work uh, in the 1840s. Yeah, the historical sites in Mead need to be better integrated, that not everybody simply focuses, great though they are, Newgrange and Nowth, that not everybody focuses on those sites, but visits other sites such as Oldcastle, Nobber, Kells, something that just doesn't concentrate on one particular area. Again, it's not to think they were standing in this church where this you know, services were celebrated for so long and rather than it falling into disrepair and ruin like so many have, you've made it a centre of the community again and, and part of the, the bigger story of Nobber. It's just wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Vincent. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you thank very you. much. And it's it's a lovely building. Sometimes they are preserved and conserved and sometimes, unfortunately, they are not. Coming up on the county measure, hammer throwing in Athboy, a day out at the Oldcastle Agricultural Show and window shopping in Trim.
There's nothing like a good summer agricultural show. I'm delighted to be in Old Castle. Old Castle Agriculture Show has been running for 82 years, a long time. It was like all these summer shows. You get a great range of local produce, animals, horses, sheep, cattle, competitions, the young farmer competition. Meath has a very lively and long-running fair at Old Castle. And inside the show hall, standing between row upon row of long stalls of prize-winning fruit, veg and baking, Bernard Heatherton tells me about the work that goes into putting on the show. What are the 82 years it's of the show been going? 82 years on now, consecutively. And, and it is all voluntary? Oh, it's all voluntary, totally voluntary. All local commitment, youngsters and anyone that will lay a hand or help out. So. Extraordinary, because it's actually, it's a really big show. Yeah. I mean, there's a it is, lot it is, of work put like, into it. There's a serious amount of work beforehand, organising marquees and electricity and generators and chairs and tables and getting the field ready, put up the gates, we're tying up. There's 180 cattle tied up, sheep are all penned in, poultry is all caged. That all has to happen by somebody before the show, like yesterday was a green field. So you'll go another year? Ah, oh, we'll give another one anyway. we have to keep going for 100 anyway. <laughs> Ring one at the moment, they are just judging the championship. And if the photographer is there, would he also go to ring Plenty one? Plenty of horses and ponies on display. Proud parents, I think, watching their youngsters parading the ponies and very elegant. They all look. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh my dear. I guess you have to be prepared to take a tumble. Yeah, so yeah just got to go on horseback. Part and parcel. This gives them a taste for it. And then they go on to proper competitions and proper schooling. You know, so I mean, you see that cob there now, he's yeah. barely lifting his legs. His legs to get, to get across the, the tiny little Look, this is what yeah. we get. Fortunately, my children have grown up and they survived my competitiveness. Do not <laughs> let me down or you're banished from yeah. the family. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think we reared you to lose? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, we're heading into shorties now in about five minutes, I think. In what in what competition? What Pedig section? Pedigree Belgian Blues. Beautiful, beautiful yeah. Animals. If your animal is good enough to beat the others, your breeding is good. Your animal is well turned out, well produced, well clipped, well groomed, well fed. You know. Yeah. The young lad and lost a fiver. Very sad story, but it's his last fiver. So, would you believe I found that fiver? <laughs> and I gave it to a little girl. Did you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Coming up there. So now, if I and I was going to keep it and see what I find someone did on. I said, sure. What's the chances? And now. Ah, it's a great vista, even on a grey day. Carousels going around, kids on buses and little cars, coloured lights flashing, beach balls and balloons, wooden sheep and real sheep. There are hot dogs for sale and then there are best in show dogs parading around with the very proud owners in tow and uh, a fortune teller. It's all happening. You know, this is completely a personal choice, you know, just looking by this man here, he's all on scale, size and power, good handling lambs. 
without sounding silly, it's nearly like if you want to pick a wife, you know, <laughs> your choice mate is the same as mine, and judging sheep is the same. So my name is Emma, I am from Cork. I am Vice Chair of the Irish Textile Sheep Society. They'd be renowned for their carcass and for their meat quality. They'd be quite muscly, very popular amongst commercial farmers. They grow fast. They do, they do indeed, yeah. Clearly as well, a show like this is really important, not only for the local community, for Oldcastle, but its reach is much wider. I mean, if you're coming from Cork, you're aware of these shows and they're important for you and for connecting. You know, we're on the go 365 days of the year and we're coming out on days like today to meet each other and to catch up after, you know, lambing season, calving season, all that kind of thing. Working break. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> definitely. My name is Tina McGrain. I'm a greyhound trainer. Um, I live near Kells and I'm here today with one of my um, retired dogs. So. You've trained many, many's a winner, I yeah, believe. So I have, yeah, I've, yeah, I've trained over a thousand winners over the years so yeah but, um, amazing achievement this is his first time out and really? about today wow. and he's taking it all in a stride so what's the greyhound's name and um, this is billy billy yeah and what age is billy he's five he would have raced he wasn't so particularly good. fast Racing dog. Boy, yeah. but yeah. never mind yeah yeah he took part he's gonna make he a better pet it. than he does a race dog <laughs> but that's okay we won't, we won't talk about the racing years no 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 <laughs> he's look to forward to a good now. retirement yes yeah. exactly so yeah, it's so nice to meet you and to meet billy In addition to its unique historical and archaeological heritage, Meath also has a strong literary tradition. Mary Lavin's great stories illuminate a world that spirals out from her home near Bechtive Abbey. Gaelic poets like Seamus Don McCourtha have left us a legacy of an older order and its language. The Fenian activist and poet John Boyle O'Reilly with his cry of a dreamer. And in the landscape of Loch Crewe, poet Peter Fallon built up the gallery press from nothing more than a deep sense of connection to place and a vision for the new. Peter Fanon, we, we've just come from the agricultural show in Oldcastle. I think you haven't been at the show for a, for a few years, but it's familiar territory to you as a, as a farmer. Certainly. I used to exhibit um, regularly and I'm quite comfortable there, yes. Travelling there earlier, coming through part of the Boyne Valley, Loch Crewe, all of this very ancient and special landscape, you know, and, and you grew up on a farm near Kells, not too far away, and you've been farming here at Loch Crewe for, what, nearly nearly 40 years now, isn't it? Well, I've lived here for more than 40 years um, and in some sense, I think I know two county meaths, the present time, of course, 
and an ancient, historical, archaeological, rich and opulent place in County Meath. And of course, you know, when we think of Meath and poetry, Meath poets, the other person who comes to mind is Francis Ledwidge. His poetry is still, for me, so resonant and seems, some of it seems to come out of this landscape. But I, I wonder what Ledwidge as a poet means to you. Ledwidge wrote the landscape of a place into bad time and all time with beautiful lyrics. The misfortune, of course, is that his was a promise that was cut short and completely unfulfilled because of his death in the First World War, the waste of his life among among so many lives of that time. Peter, I might ask you to read a poem by Francis Ledwidge, maybe one of the poems you particularly like. I'd like to read a little poem that um, has special affection because it references a journey that apparently Ledwidge used to make to visit uh, a priest who had been an encourager of his. And uh, this priest lived down near Loch Sheelan, and Ledwidge would cycle to see him. And I think he must have passed this house on his way. It's a gorgeous lyric called The Herons. As I was climbing Ardon Moor from the shore of Sheelan Lake, I met the herons coming down before the waters wake. And they were talking in their flight of dreamy ways the herons go when all the hills are withered up nor any waters flow. Doesn't that just ripple on and on and on? It does. You feel the ripples down to today. Good. The sound of happy pigs at Golashane Farm near the Cavan border. The farm is a nature reserve and training facility dedicated to farming for nature and biodiversity, and all developed by Donna Mullen and her husband Brian. I bring it into the back of the pig barn, which is where we trial all our bat boxes. It's just an ordinary farm barn. I meet Donna and get a glimpse of one of her treasured and protected tenant species. Bats. I don't know. It looks like a bit of a kitchen press that's all covered in insulation. Oh, it almost looks like concrete, but it's actually it's it's a foam, is it? It's like it an is. insulation it's a, foam. It's a bat box. You see, Great for foam. them to breed, the temperature has to be thirty degrees. You know, when they're having their babies, the females want somewhere really hot, really comfortable, and a bat box won't do it, which is why they go into houses for those couple of months. So it, it's trial and error, isn't it? It is trial yeah. and error. So that's why we put insulation on it. But a lot of the time, there's a male stretched out on the heat pad, like it's a sauna or something, just absolutely loving it. Why so, is it important, you know, for a farm to have a healthy bat colony knocking about? 
bat has to eat a third of its body weight every night in insects. About 3,000 insects every night. So if you have bats on your farm, it shows that other things are doing well. You have a, a lot of insect availability. They're keeping down mosquitoes, midges. The insects that cause blue tongue in cattle, apparently they're eaten by bats as well. And they're just a very good sign on your farm that you're doing well. So the kind of good in terms of the whole biosphere that things are healthy. Exactly. Yeah. You can actually see some bats here. There's, uh, there's one there. Oh yeah. You probably can't see him. Just, I so think Just I at can. the very top, yeah. Flick of wing. That's it, it. Yeah. that's a bit of wing. Yeah. We've found all the time in barns that bats were living in rafters. And like our barn didn't really have great rafters. So we decided to make fake rafters. So we have these two slits together. Uh-huh. They're basically two parallel bits of timber, as if they were rafters, but they're, they're not supporting anything. And about the width of your thumb apart, bats really like to be squashed. There's so it's got a perfect habitat for them. That's it. And bats then, I think, played a certain role in your personal life uh, yeah I, I i met my husband yeah at a bat meeting so we kind of say we'd have a lot to thank yeah. and and we work on bats a lot now as well too so it's wonderful yeah that's have a, brought you together that's brought us together yeah yeah that's great that's great in my house of an show, Aaron Tarabon, a rock horn, a condenami, Xmina Vernadini, a honic on show, O Connemaris, Natrukadi, in a mask, Buhulo, Dudley Kane, no Darako Kahan, O Lichamoro, Maumin, Nis Jenny, on Taurani, Ainthuk, a Blaintha Father, it leads. It's lovely to see this stone memorial to the great Chano singer. Here in Rakharn, and to remember the splendour of his singing. Of course, it is great to see this memorial in stone to Darak, but in truth, the greatest memorial is his own singing and the living tradition of Shan Nos here in Rakharn and in Baligib, not far away, and carried on indeed by Darak's grandnieces, Maura, August Eton, Nikoran, Blah, Nahoige. What Richness has blossomed here in the Mead in Rakharn and Balikib in those decades since 1935. <laughs> Or Not far from Rockharn, another musical tradition is alive and well and has given the world of theatre and stage musicals one of its finest singers and performers. Killian Donnelly, who's performing in the award-winning show Funhouse at the Gate Theatre in Dublin, grew up in Kilmesson and acknowledges the local musical tradition as his inspiration. We 
just had the surroundings of fields and cows and trees and abbeys and old castles. And that was my playground when I was from the age of five till I was about 15. So a really strong sense of connection to that home place. Yeah, yeah, big time. When did you realise you had a special voice, singing voice? My mam sang and my dad sang. And in our house, we were never told not to sing. We were never told you could go into the front room, which had a broken piano and a three strings on a guitar, but you could sing to your heart's content. You were never told to stop. And I guess I just developed it that way. And then when I was of age 15 or 16, I joined my local musical society. That was my gang. That was that brought me out of my shell. Was that the musical society? Was that St. Mary's? Yeah, St. Mary's Musical Society. Walking in day one, they were doing a production of Oliver and I just wanted to be in the ensemble in the background. But it was just the camaraderie and the friendships that you made. Still to this day, they were all at my wedding. They're still the people I met when I was 15 years old. And are they still going strong as a musical group? St. Mary's Musical Society is, yeah. they. I went down... Recently, uh, they just did Joseph and his ama- and my mom did the costumes. <laughs> so that's what you're dealing with. What was it like um, singing in Les Mis and, and taking on that big main role eventually? People in the musical societies, I would have gone to different ones around Ireland, said, if you want to do this professionally, go to London. So I went over in 2007 and I was there for three months and I got one audition for Les Mis. And I got in and they offered me a swing. So I thought it was some character in French called swing. And they were like, no, 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 a swing covers all the ensemble roles. So instead of playing one role, you're covering 10. So you have to learn 10 roles. And that was the best training. And also everything I learned up to then was from the Amdram. Because when you're doing amateur musical societies, they're like, your man's after falling over. Will you pick up the anvil and sing consider yourself? Yeah, Grant. Do you know what? It's still the same buzz that when Tom Walsh from Navin Musical Society said, you're going to be playing Slim in Oklahoma. It's the same when Cameron McIntosh rings you and says, you are going to be Valjean in the West End. Yeah, I, I owe a lot to that society. listening to the county measure and we're in Meath. I'm Belinda McKeown, I'm a writer. This piece is set in Trim, County Meath, where I currently live. Moore's Shop of Trim. After I'd viewed the house, I looked for old photographs online. It was a townhouse and shop on Market Street. Not derelict by any means, but long unoccupied leaning into the Tudor Revival Bank building opposite the chemist. We could see our kids growing up in the rooms, bringing a clatter of friends around after school, letting themselves out the front door to go up the town, although if we lived there, 
they would already be, by definition, up the town. And we could see ourselves performing pretentious minimalist renovations on the living spaces and bedrooms, making the most of the high ceilings and the big windows. You know the drill. You've watched the Dermot Bannon shows. The old shop was amazing, long and narrow, all the teak display cases still in place, the blue lino floor tiles, the pale yellow pegboard walls still stuck here and there with old notices and devotionals. I found the photos in a Facebook group dedicated to memories of past decades in Trim. Here was the shopfront in its heyday, the M, O, O, R and E, carved out of wood and painted red. Here, in a black and white photo from the 60s, were three young women smiling at the counter, a man in a white shop coat offering one of them a banknote. The pegboard I'd just seen covered with what looked like greeting cards for sale and a sign for a sale of work and on the counter a roll of brown paper. Comments identified the workers, Dinny and Marie, Rena and Stella, my daughter's name I noted as though that was a sign. And also in the comments, a rolling history of the kinds of things people used to buy and used to love about moors of Market Street when its letters were still over the door. Glitter cards and colouring books the packets of pages that you cut into paper dolls, airfix models and matchbox cars, the evening press for a grandfather, Enid Blyton books and Bunty and the Beano on Fridays, someone's first Parker pen on occasion, motorhead tickets in 1981, the odd bar of chocolate from Dinny, getting Jackie before youth club on Saturdays, loose cards on the table at the end of the shop and go up to Rena or Stella for the right envelope. Halloween masks that would cut the face off you. The smell of fresh paper. So much of it. Part of the street died when they closed. We didn't buy the house. It sold for close to twice the estimate. It had possible future development potential, said the listing. Like so many houses. In so many towns. just in time for us to go and meet a small group of young athletes who share a passion for hammer throwing and Father Murphy's here in Athboy is one of hundreds of athletic clubs I think there are over 350 in the country altogether bringing communities together in all weathers Hello there How are you doing? How are you doing? Paddy very Welcome to Vincent. Father Murphy's Good to Vincent. meet you Yeah I'm Paddy I coach these this gang here and uh, sure they're Paddy good. Handley. Paddy Handley, that's right, yeah. They're the best group of kids you could ever have. What a resource for a local community. Uh, yeah, isn't it, isn't it massive like, you know, but uh, an awful lot of voluntary work and effort went into Brilliant. all this. Yeah. Since nineteen seventy. Yeah, we were founded in nineteen seventy, yeah. yeah. We're on this very impressive track. That's right. Running track. We have the gym there and then we have a weight room and we have this hammer, this throwing facility here, hammer discus circle. So you're, you're keeping the community good and fit and healthy. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the plan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe win a few medals along the way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it helps to keep yeah. the youngsters going. Yeah, great. I'm Avila Kyo. I'm a parent and coach here. So for anyone who's doesn't know what the hammer throwing is and maybe their misconception is that it's 
a hammer tool. It's basically a long metal implement with a ball on the end and they range from weights of two and a half kilo all the way up to 7.26. I've only seen hammer throwing a little bit on, on telly. Watching you throw it feels like it's almost like watching a, a dance movement. So you're, you walk into a circle and you have to face two feet forward. You pull your arms out as long as you can and then you start doing preliminary swings, which are basically swings around your head. Uh, and when it's behind you, it's at a high point, and when it's in front of you, it's at a low point. And after about two or three preliminary swings, you start turning. And then you turn with your left foot on the heel and your right foot on the toe. Your first turn would be slow, your second turn would be medium, and then your third turn would be your fastest turn. And then at the end, I would push up and release it. Is training essential? I mean, do you need to train and train? Absolutely essential. I went off training for about two weeks, and I lost about a month, two months training. Well, so you know, there's an old saying, it's, and if you leave your art for a day, it leaves you for three. And it's obviously similar in a way, you know, if you, with this, if you, if you leave your training for too long, it leaves you for longer. Is there a mindset? Do you have to get into a frame of mind for us when you're preparing? If you think about something that's annoying you at the minute now, and then you think of that when you're about to release, it gives you more aggression to push it out further and give it more strength so go further. Paddy always says you throw at your legs, not your arms, which is kind of what people would think straight away would be your arms when they hear throwing, but you throw at your legs more than your arms. Your arms are an extension of your hammer, is what Paddy would say always, but your legs are doing most of the work, and it's really important then to have strong legs and do a lot of leg work in the gym and stuff. OK, Paddy, next time we'll speed up the winds a little bit and we'll just do one turn, OK? He would be a strict coach, yeah, but um, good influence, yeah, so he'd help you, he'd motivate you, so. Only for him, I wouldn't be doing it, you know. I'm Jack O'Connor, and I compete in discus, javelin and shot put, under 16, so. And Jack, as a, as a wheelchair user, are there particular skills you need to throw the disc? Yes, yeah, so the chair is about 75 mil tall, and I'm strapped in by uh, ratchet straps to keep my uh, legs from pushing up, so it's all my upper body. The disc is in the left hand, and you brake with your right hand. So the brake gives you the power to follow through, and it's like a shock of like power that comes through your like chest and your arms and your shoulder. Looking forward as well, would you, for instance, have an eye on the Paralympics or interest yeah, you? Well, it won't be the 2024, but yeah. the 2020 uh, Olympics. I'm hoping for so, yeah. It's me in like five years, that's what, who I look up to. It's me in ten years, it's like I follow what I do and that's like I don't go anyone else is doing, just myself. So It's your, um, it's your own track. Yeah, your my own, own track, yeah, yeah. Your own ambition. Yeah. yeah. They're all doing great, yeah. Everybody here is doing great. No matter how grumpy I get this, they seem to, <laughs> <laughs> they seem to come back anyway. <laughs>
You'd travel far and deep in Meath no matter how short the distance. The subterranean is never far away, this awareness of life on other levels. The Tara zinc mines outside Navan, the sun and earth and time measuring chambers at Newgrange, Nauth and Dowth, all that's held in and around the hill of Tara. But rare and significant as the monuments are, the truly important monuments of this county are its people. The men who face long-term unemployment after a life in half-light underground. The women who work by their side and face an uncertain future. The people who watch the weather change, bringing flooding to coastal towns here and new challenges to farmers. The people who nurture and protect land and wildlife. And the writers, musicians and artists who make the new and sing the power of this fifth province this real and fragile heartland.